It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Locked On Celtics podcast with the Rain and Jays. I'm Jay King from MassLive.com. Today, I'm going to be joined not by one of my co-hosts, but by Tim Bontemps, the great Washington Post writer, covers the MVA for the Post, super hardworking guy, very knowledgeable about all things basketball, really one of the guys around the, the NBA beat that, that I admire for for how he approaches his job and how he goes about doing everything. So Tim is absolutely a a great guest to have on to to give a little bit of the national perspective about the Celtics. Before we get to the interview with Tim, please follow us on iTunes or Audioboom or Stitcher or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Search for Locked on Celtics. Follow us, subscribe to us, all that. We probably bore you by telling you this every single podcast, but that that's how that's how we live, man. That's 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 how we survive. So go ahead, subscribe to us if you don't already. And without further ado, here is the interview with Tim Bontemps. Please forgive the stretches of rough audio sound. We had some technical difficulties, and we're very, very sorry. We are working to get it handled. Actually, I don't think we have to work to get it handled, but hopefully it will be handled by next time. All right, so we're here with Tim Bontemps, writer, NBA writer for the Washington Post, one of my good buddies, one of, one of the best people on the NBA beat, a, a guy who... Is there anyone you're not friends with, Tim? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't think so. I think I think I, I think I get along. I like to try to get along with everybody. Yeah, you I think have, I do. You have this like rare ability to connect with people and stay in touch with them somehow, which is impressive. I, I don't have that ability. I just just let, let friendships go. But <laughs> <laughs> but you you force me to stay in contact with you, which which is nice. Uh, anyway, so. We're going to get his perspective on the Celtics, the, the national perspective. Uh, obviously, we, we look at the Celtics at, uh, at the Lockdown Celtics podcast like a micro view. And, and Tim has the macro view of everything. And, and kind of he's not always in that daily grind. So he, he can look at the big picture stuff. Uh, we're, we're going to start, though, with one of his stories from today, which he, he made bold predictions for the coming NBA season. 
And we'll start here because it's probably the most optimistic place to start for a Celtics chat. You said that they would finish number one in defense this year. Is that like, do you really believe that? Or was that just something you thought like, oh, it, it might happen? Well, no, I mean, these are all things that I like. Basically, the way I approached this column was I, I said 10 things that I think are going to happen that I think are you know, kind of bold calls that that people might be surprised by. Like one of them, you know, as we're doing this, you know, we were watching the end of the Warriors-Lakers game. I think D'Angelo Russell could score 20 points a game this season. That was one of them. I think the Timberwolves are going to win 50 games this year. That was one of them. I think the Thunder aren't going to make the playoffs this year. That was one of them. So it's I like that one. People got all, fired up about that People one. got fired up about that. You know, but it, it was all stuff like that that, you know, stuff that I do think is going to happen and – but but it's stuff that I think people generally, you know, most people would be at least somewhat surprised to buy. Um, and as far as the as the Celtics go, you know, like I wrote in the piece, you know, last year they were tied for fourth um, in defensive efficiency according to NBA.com. They gave up, yep. I want to say it was 100 and, 100.9 points per 100 possessions that or 101.9. Exactly on the dot. That, that's it, was, it, was, it was one of the – it was 1.9 or the other. But um, – Indiana was in front of them. I think Indiana's defense is going to get substantially worse. Way San Antonio worse. was in front of Way them. Their worse. defense, right. San Antonio's defense was in front of them. San Antonio, I think, losing Tim Duncan, replacing him with uh, uh, Pau Gasol, I think their defense is going to get substantially worse. Um, and, and so, you know, really, like, if, if Atlanta stays as good as they were last year, which which they very well could, I think, I think Dwight Howard, you know, another thing in that piece is I think Dwight Howard's going to be an all-star. I think he's going to be very good for the Hawks, so... You know, maybe their defense is still really good, but I mean, look the 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 Celtics went from Jared Sollinger to to Al Horford, yeah, um, which Crazy which should there. help them. You know, their de- their their rebounding, in particular, the defensive rebounding, is going to be a lot worse, which I, I think will hurt them. But they are going to ha- be a lot more athletic. Um, you know, they just have a lot more versatility. You can, you know, Horford's not like the beauty of Al Horford is that he's not great at anything, but he's good at everything. Um, which makes him a great player. And so he might not be great at any one defensive thing, but he, he, he's good at everything and he's versatile enough and athletic enough that he can guard a bunch of different spots. So that, that I think will help them a lot. And the fact is a lot of their guys are, are young and, and are going to be a year older and, and most likely a year better guys. Like, you know, I know you got Mark hurt today, but Marcus smart should be better. And, uh, Terry Rozier should be better, and Avery Bradley could even be a little better, and Jay Crowder might be a little better, and you know it's another year in Brad Stevens' system. Um, so you know, I mean, it, it it's a bold call, and it, it may not it may not come to pass, but I mean, the Celtics were fourth last year, tied for fourth, and they, you know, I think they went from a guy who a lot of people would think was probably a, you know, a below average defender to maybe average in Sullinger to a guy that's considered an above average defender in Horford. So that'll That'll lift them right up near that range, and you know, I guess we'll see if they are able to do it. Yeah, one interesting thing about preseason is that Horford has been a beast on the glass, like just just killing it on the glass, and he hasn't rebounded even like reasonably well in a couple years. So if he can keep that up, that that's a big deal for them. the The biggest question mark, and I don't think it's crazy to put them number one. Obviously, like a lot of things have to go right for you to have the top defense in the league. The the biggest question mark for me about them is their backup wings. 
uh, obviously Marcus Smart is going to be able to guard almost anyone. And I, 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 Rozier will be fine defensively. But last year they brought Evan Turner off the, off the bench. And Evan Turner, for all of his flaws, especially earlier in his career, he became a reliable defender who guarded three positions pretty well. So having Gerald Green there, having Jalen Brown there, that could be a serious downgrade. Even though Jalen Brown, I, he has tons of defensive potential. He's just... But he's a rookie. He's and a rookies, he's rookies, a rookies, rookies generally stink. I mean, yeah. last year, people, people will forget this because of how good last year's rookie class was. But, um, but in general, rookies are terrible. And even the best rookies are bad. And, you know, Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown is a guy who a lot of people, um, a lot of people thought was going to be kind of a project anyway, even though he is an athlete and he's a super young guy. So, you know, I I would say that, uh, you know, I I would say that that's a fair assessment, Um, you know, and especially if they do, you know, I just kind of assumed he was going to play and that, that he could kind of repeat a lot of the stuff Evan Turner did. But if he, if they play Gerald Green, then yes, I mean that's going to be that's going to be a disaster because you know I love Gerald, but he can't guard he can't guard anybody. Great, great guy, not a great defender. Not uh, a great defender, no. He, yeah, it, I, I I do think from from preseason it seems like Jalen Brown is going to get those minutes. Gerald Green probably lower in the rotation or out of the rotation right now, so it probably will be Brown, and I think he'll get a lot of steals. He'll he'll make some fantastic plays, but he'll also just. He's a puppy, man. He'll, he'll get lost a lot. Uh, yep. While we're on the, the Jalen Brown topic, this, this is probably a weird question to ask. Who would you have picked if you were the Celtics at number three? Chris Dunn. Definitely Chris Dunn? Chris Even Dunn. Even though they already have Isaiah Thomas Chris and Dunn. Terry Rozier, they Chris knew Dunn. was a lot better? Chris Dunn. Chris Dunn. I, think, I thought Chris Dunn was the second best player in the draft. I yeah. would have drafted. I would have drafted Chris Dunn. I think he's going to be – I think he's going to be a monster – I, and look, Jalen Brown might be really good. Like, I, this isn't a knock on him. I just, I mean, look, we, <laughs> I, I've, I've, I've talked about Isaiah Thomas enough in the Celtics sphere over the last few Uh-oh. weeks. But oh, we're gonna get uh, you in trouble here. Well, no, I mean, you, I mean, you know, I, I said on another podcast earlier this summer that he was a, a fake All Star, kind of in passing, and really all I meant was that, you know, he's a guy that you look at that, in, in general, you wouldn't expect him to make an All Star team in his career. And he kind of fell into it last year with Kyrie Irving being hurt and two other things broke his way. And he, he snuck in and, and good for him. He had a great year. But uh, I, you to me, you should never go into the draft and not take the guy who's the best player because of what your roster looks like. Um, if anything, you just draft another guy. And if he's the best player at the position, you draft him and then you can move him in a deal later or you can play him together or whatever. Um, but I, I just think especially for the Celtics who are trying to be competitive right now. You know, there were a lot of teams that wanted Chris Dunn. So you could, in theory, um, you could, in theory, create, trade Chris Dunn later for assets. Um, but also, he could just play right away. I mean, he's a, a big, strong kid to really fast, good handles. I mean, I, you know, I saw him play two years ago, and he reminded me of Dwayne Wade as a sophomore at Providence, like, you know, I don't know if he's going to be a Hall of Famer. It's obviously a pretty high bar, but I mean, I, I think he's going to be a monster in the league. So, you know, I, I actually like Brown a lot too. So I, I don't think I didn't think it was a, a terrible pick by any stretch. But you know, if I was the Celtics and I had the third pick in that draft, I would have I would have gone with Chris Dunn and and not thought twice about it. Yeah, and 
it's Dunn's had a, a pretty rough preseason. I don't think that's too unexpected because point guards always have a tough adjustment. Unless you're like Chris Paul, right. who was historically good. Or I think Kyrie as a rookie was pretty historically good too. Like very rarely do guys come in. Well, Kyrie's team won, I think, 20 games too. So, I mean, you know, yeah, or whatever they want. I mean, their team stunk. So. Very true. Very true there. But but he came in and had a, a He put up some numbers though, yeah. Season. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's tough. It's tough as a point guard to come in and help Brown. I, I was not so much, not that I was down on Brown. I would say I was open about Brown when the Celtics drafted him. Like he's just he he's kind of like this blank slate. Like he has every tool you could want. Not a great shooter, obviously, but he has every physical tool you would ever want in a wing. Like super long arms. He's he's quick. He's fluid. He's powerful. He he has raw handling ability like he doesn't have like tight handles but every once in a while he'll make a move and you're like oh my god right rare move so right he could be anything he still could be anything i think yeah he's he's got an immense ceiling i mean he he's like a lot of these a lot of these wing guys that come into the league though right i mean pretty much all these toolsy wing guys come into the league with the same problem none of them can shoot at all yep and and he can't shoot learn they never well, have or they just, or they, right, or they just have a bad form, whatever. I mean, you know, it's like whether it's Michael Kidd Gilchrist, you can go back through the years. A lot of these guys who have all these physical tools get drafted and they have to learn how to shoot. And, you know, people will go, well, look, Jason Kidd learned how to shoot. And, well, look, Kawhi Leonard learned how to shoot. So every guy should learn how to shoot. Well, no, Jason Kidd is one of the best point guards of all time. And Kawhi Leonard's on his way to being the Hall of Fame. So, like <laughs> those guys learned how to shoot, but not everybody can. Now, maybe Jalen Brown does learn how to shoot, and maybe he becomes a superstar. Um, maybe he doesn't, and he becomes a, you know, a, a combo forward that can, you know, handle the ball and do other stuff, and and never really learns that skill and still is effective. I mean, you know, it, it it's not to say that he's going to stink, but he, it is just. He is just one of many of these guys, whether it's Justice Winslow or Stanley Johnson or uh, or now Jalen or Michael Kidd Gilchrist a few years before that. Like, there's just a, a whole bunch of these guys that come into the league, and everybody just says Ben Simmons is here too. Where oh well, yeah. they just got to learn how to shoot and you know make it seem like it's going to be a wrap. That well, as, as soon as they learn how to shoot, they're going to be great. And you know, it's just I think it's just a lot harder than a lot of people will realize to just have a guy learn how to start knocking out shots. I'm a shooter, man. It came natural to me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So obviously Al Horford was their big, big addition. Yep. How, and we've already talked about how you think he'll help their defense. Do do you think he'll be enough to push them into the top 10 offensively? They, They were around average last year. See, I, you know what? It's funny. Like, I don't really like I, I know I said that about them jumping to first. And I think they will. But Al Horford's a weird player because he, he's a he's a terrific player. Right. But for as good as he is, he's not a guy that I think really takes your team and jumps it up a level. Right. Like. He's now unquestionably the best player on the Celtics. You know, people might try to tell you that. Isaiah Thomas is the best player on the team. That's nonsense. Al Horford's their best player. But if you go into a playoff series and Al Horford's your best player, 
Are you really thinking that's a team that's a conference finalist? I mean, maybe, but okay. the teams he's let, let me no, but all, no, but all I was gonna all I was gonna say just all I was gonna to finish. Yeah. Like all I was gonna say was so like I think that they can get a, I think they'll get incrementally better on both ends because he's a really good player that kind of fills in a lot of gaps. But I don't know if he's a guy that's going to take them from 15th to 9th. Like they might go from 4th to 1st and from 15th to 12th. But I don't know if they're going to go from 15th to 6th or 8th. Yeah, see, but here's the thing. Like all the shots that went to Jared Sullinger, who was a terrible shooter, miserable shooter, but, but shot a lot. Right. Those shots are now going to Al Horford, who's a very good mid-range shooter, uh, above-average three-point shooter, especially for a big man. And right. Be wide open. So, not and we haven't even gotten to all the other effects he has, like spacing and being a threat in the pick and roll. So sure. I I think he might have a bigger impact on their offense than their defense, just because of how much better he is than Sullinger as an offensive player, and, and especially a shooter, which is the key that they really needed. I mean, they were so short on shooting last year. It was sad, and, and they ran like they ran a lot of pick and rolls or pick and pops that Sullinger just clank, clank, and every game they would have a drought, and it would be Sullinger clank, clank. So right. I, I don't know. I, I, I think he might be enough, especially seeing it in action. Like th- Their starting lineup has been great during the preseason. And he's just. There's a so, key part of that. Key part of that sentence, though. Oh yeah, yeah. Obviously, obviously, it's preseason. Um, right. But just, just the, how much better he is in Cylinder jumps, jumps so far off the page. Like it is, it is stupid. I, let me ask you this: You talked about him. He like he's really good, but you don't see him being the best player on a conference finalist. Ky- Kyle Lowry is he better than Kyle Lowry, who was the best player on a conference finalist in the East last year? Um, no, he's never had a year like the year Kyle Lowry had last year. Um, you know, and that's the thing, like, I'm not trying to diminish Horford either. Like to me, it's more that the, the, to me, the biggest significance of the Celtics signing Al Horford was the fact that they got a guy like that to sign with them. You know, it's like Al Horford makes them better unquestionably. But I think the fact that they got a guy to come there and commit there, I think is is almost more is going to be more impactful than what he does on the court for them. And like again, like it's it's not to it's not to to knock him as a player. He's been one of my favorite players for a long time because he's good at everything. He can yeah. handle the ball. He's a good passer. You mentioned how good of a shooter he is, but he's also not a guy that's going to dominate the ball. Like I know he's going to get some of the shots that Jared got, but he's also I like. Maybe he'll become a guy that takes twenty shots a game, but that's never been his thing. No, that that I, that'll never be his thing, right? Yeah. So like so like he'll do a lot of stuff for them, and he'll help a lot. But I do just kind of wonder if if it'll be more of an incremental thing, and in that he'll help, but it won't it won't lead them to take massive leaps forward. Um, just because he isn't a guy, you know for all of his talent, he's just, he's, he's kind of the perfect complimentary guy, right? Yeah. Like that's why he was such a nice fit on those Atlanta teams. They had Paul Millsap and Kyle Korver and Jeff Teague and, and they had all these guys and 
So Al is just kind of a, he's like the ultimate piece in the machine where like, if you, if he, if you, you can plug him in, you know, exactly what he's going to give you. He could fit any role you need him to. He could play either big spot. He can do anything at either spot. Um, so I kind of, I kind of feel like that's his, his biggest attribute or his, his biggest, his biggest, uh, strength that he brings to the team. And while I think that will make the Celtics better, I don't know if that makes them that much better on offense. Um, So so right now in the East, do you have them behind Toronto? Obviously they're behind Cleveland. I have them third. I have them finishing third. So I I actually think the Raptors are going to win the most games in the regular season. Okay. And then I think – I think the Cavs are the Cavs might even finish third. I mean, I just think they're. I mean, if you've noticed, I don't know. You you've obviously been covering the team, but so you maybe haven't noticed. But like Kyrie Irving didn't practice for I think the first two weeks. Yeah, uh, J.R. Smith just, hasn't even been on the team. I mean, right? J.R. Smith just signed. They've been resting guys left and right. Um, I, I think they. I think they're incredibly confident that they are. They can beat anybody in the East without any trouble in any arena. And so they are going to do everything they can to get their team, which is an old team now to the playoffs as healthy as possible. And so I don't think they give a crap if they win 50 games or 60 games. Um, so, I mean, I, I think Toronto and Boston could even finish one too, because, you know, I think the Knicks are going to stink. The the Nets and the Sixers are, are going to also stink. So, you know, both of those teams could go 10, 11, 12 wins against those three teams and all of a sudden, you're well on your way to low 50s or higher wins right away just doing that. So, um, I, but, I, but I do think Toronto, I do think Toronto is going to wind up um, as the one seed, and then Boston will be second or third. Okay, if they meet in the playoffs, who do you favor? I think I would favor... Toronto. I'm, I'm asking you absurd questions right now. Like, well, no, no, but it, I mean, but it's before the regular season. I think starts. I look. I, I I have a whole predictions. I went through and mocked out the whole playoffs and and all the way through the finals. And I I would have the Raptors. I think beating the Celtics in the series. Um, I think the Celtics don't. The Celtics don't really have the kind of guy that gives Demar Derozan a lot of trouble. Um. Ironically, the kind of guy who could turn into that player is Jalen Brown. Um, but like Avery Bradley, like smaller guards like that, DeRozan tends to do okay with. Um, it's it's he usually really starts to struggle when he goes up against bigger, longer wings. Um, and Bradley's a fantastic defender. Um, it's not a knock on him; he's just a little small. I think he's six. What is he? Six three? Six two? Six four? Three, yeah. I mean, he DeRozan has trouble like going up against guys like Joe Johnson in the past, or like Paul George guarded him. And, obliterated him in the first round last year. Um, so I think DeRozan would get some points. I think Lowry is, is a better player than Thomas. Um, and I, I think that the, the Raptors have enough, you know, like Valanciunas is a good big. I, I just think the Raptors have enough and enough experience that I think that I, think that I would give them the edge in a series. I mean, the, the problem for the Celtics when they get to the playoffs is still that they don't really have anybody that's won anything on the team, and other than now Horford, and so you have to kind of learn how to take steps in the playoffs, and, yeah. and it's going to be tough. That. We, we no, saw that with you're the Raptors say you saw last that. year, right? 
They're, you know, right. the Raptors had been in the playoffs a couple times. They'd, you know, they'd had tough seven-game series and lost. And then, you know, they, they broke through last year. They got through a round. They got through the next round. But, like, they, they, had, they already had a lot of experience. So they were kind of ready to accept the, the burden of what it takes to kind of go through the playoffs at that point. It's hard to go from it's hard to go from making the playoffs once because basically everybody on that team made the playoffs for the first time last year to then win two rounds, right? Because we're I mean they're gonna if they play they're playing in the second round, so yeah, you see so you're saying all right so Boston's gonna not only win their first playoff series with this whole group but win a second one, I think that's probably a bridge too far. Yeah, I, I think it would be a, wouldn't a, surprise me. I mean I think it's a seven game series. Yeah, I, th- I, th- so, I think that would be a great series. That would be. Yeah, it, w- it would be. It would be a, they're very season. even. It'd be they're very even teams. I think I could easily see it going either way. Honestly, it'd probably go to whoever ended up with the better record in the regular season. Yeah, like it, whoever it, had home court would probably win the series. It would. It would be really funny too because Brad Stevens would spend the whole series just trying to pick on Jared Sullinger, like throw out throwing out small lineups and just trying to to destroy him for being slow. It it would be. Very, very amusing for for Celtics fans, I think, to see Jared Solinger like try to guard. Well, that would be funny. Point arc. Yeah, I mean, that would be funny. Yes, indeed. Um, okay, let's go back to Isaiah Thomas. Your your fake All Star comment. I know what you mean. <laughs> you, what you mean is look in a normal last- in a normal season. Like, look, if Kyrie Irving was healthy last year, Isaiah Thomas might not have even made the All Star team last year. Yeah. So, you know, it's like he was a he's a guy who, you know, he made an all-star team. He, maybe he makes another one in his career, but he's not a guy even now that you go into the season saying that guy's an all-star. You know, I mean, the bottom line is for for as good as he is, he fundamentally is very bad on defense because he's five, seven or whatever he is like it, it's just kind of. that kind of like automatically limits his overall effectiveness because he could get taken advantage of just because of his size. Like he's a, he competes, but you know, when you're giving up whatever, I mean, you know, I don't even know how many pounds he's given up against some of these guys. I mean, like if he goes up against Kyle Lowry, what's he giving up 40 pounds probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just tough. It's just, it's just hard for him to to body up guys like that um but but that's not to knock him i mean look he he's had he's already proven to have a heck of a career and you know he he's a he's a terrific scorer and he's you know he's kind of proven he's able to generate an offense you know generate offense on his own and look part of the reason why i think a guy like chris dunn would have been perfect for them is i think long term the best role for isaiah thomas is to be your six man off the bench where he comes in with your second unit and he can also play with the starters, obviously then, but he, if he's out there as your second unit point guard and you're just running the offense through him, like I think he would be devastatingly effective. Um, you know, and that's why he's been so good for Boston because he's been on this team without anybody else that could really create shots. And so the ball's just in his hands all the time. And that's when he's effective. And if you if you get in situations where you start having to you if you have other creators out there with him, you know, like in the past, like in Phoenix, he ran into some issues where they were they had multiple ball creators on the court at the same time. They kind of couldn't really 
share the ball that well because he like his game is kind of predicated on him needing the ball at the time. See, um, see, I, I think I think you're wrong about him there. He is he the Celtics, especially toward the end of last season and against the Hawks in the playoff series, they specifically moved him off ball because he's really good at it. He he he's a great great at catching and shooting. When he catches with a coming around a screen and guys are closing out, he's he's really good at creating off that. So I'm not sure. I'm not convinced you're right about that. And even when he was in Phoenix, like yeah, he played fewer minutes. Yes, he got fewer touches. His efficiency was was just as good, even though he was playing off the ball. Oh no no no! I meant I meant I didn't mean he wasn't effective that way. I meant okay. there were chemistry issues with that. There were definitely not, chemistry issues. Not 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 because he wasn't effective when he had the ball. That he's always. Ever since the guy walked into the league, he's shown he can score. Yeah, no question yeah. about that. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I see. I have I have troubles ranking Isaiah Thomas because last year, like by by a lot of metrics and based on like on off numbers, all that, he was one of the fifteen or twenty best offensive players in the NBA. Obviously, he has the defensive issues. Basically, that he's short, even though. He tries really hard and does his best. He right, scores. he 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 competes hard. It's just yeah. like he's just his ceiling on defense is just low. You yeah. know, it's like you know Kelly Olynyk is going to be pretty bad on defense and just because he can't move. You know, like he can, if you get him in space, he can try as hard as he wants, but he's just not fast enough to stay in front of guys on the perimeter. Like that's not like you can't really criticize the guy for that. It's just part of the way his game is. You know, and Isaiah, Isaiah has maximized every ounce of his physical abilities. That's why he's, you know, become an all-star as a five-eight guard. Um, but it's just it's just hard for him to to guard elite point guards. That's all. Yeah, and see, I have trouble ranking him because, like, John Wall, you would you would say he's a a better player than Isaiah Thomas, right? I think unquestionably. But but last year, would Isaiah Thomas had a better year? Uh, yeah, I think that's, I think Isaiah Thomas had a better year last year. I think that's fair, but I don't think anybody would, I I mean, let me put it this way. If Danny Ainge, if, uh, Ernie Grunfeld called Danny Ainge tomorrow and said, we'll trade Isaiah. If you give us Isaiah Thomas, we'll give you John Wall. They'd have a press conference by Thursday at noon. Uh, and, and John Wall would be on the Celtics. But, but see, like, like that—that's why I have such a tough time rating Isaiah Thomas, because yeah, if 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 I'm Danny Ainge and the Wizards call me, I and they offer John Wall for Isaiah Thomas, I say yes before they can hang up. Like right. I say yes instantly right. before they can right. get the question. The trade out. call yeah. with the league has started before he says yes. Yeah. he's already he's conferencing in the league at the same <laughs> yeah. time. Exactly, but then at the same time, it's like. Isaiah Thomas was better than than Wall last year. Obviously, there were there were a lot of issues with it. Yeah, I mean, look, I think fit, it's I, coach. St- he he had a better year. Yeah, but but he's not a better player. That, and that, yeah. that and that's the it's it's not like like look, guys like Isaiah Thomas was literally in the absolute perfect situation last year. He was a guy who is good with the ball in his hands on a team that had nobody else who could really create. I mean, there are, there are other shot creators, Evan Turner, who, you know, good for him. He got one, got $75 million in the Blazers, but you know, Evan Turner, Evan Turner had bounced around the league and not really done anything to that point. 
Um, you know, Brad, that was a, a nice job by Brad Stevens of utilizing a piece that he had. Um, but, you know, that was the, the Celtics and Isaiah Thomas has been the perfect marriage of need and player. And that's not a knock. It's not a knock on Isaiah Thomas to say he looks he's been great for the Celtics because it was an absolute perfect fit. Like, it's just a good job by the Celtics of identifying a guy that they were able to get for a relatively cheap price that fit perfectly with what they needed. Um, you know, so I, I mean, look, I, I did a, I have a top 100 players ranking coming out. I think I ranked Isaiah Thomas as the ninth best point guard in the league. I think he was, he was like my 40th best player, I think, or 41st. Um, you know, I, I think that's probably about where he is. I mean, he's, I mean, you're, I don't think you're wrong in your assessment. He was probably one of the, I mean, I would say he's definitely one of the 25 best offensive players in the league last year. I mean, I, without really looking at the numbers, 15 to 20, I think, is a fair assessment. I mean, he was a fantastic offensive player. And then you downgrade him for defense, and you, you get him, he ends up a little lower. But, I mean, to say the guy is one of the 50 best players in the NBA, you know, I, you know, I, think, that's, I think that's pretty good. You know, he, I don't, I don't think he's one of the, you know, I, I don't think he's one of the 20 best players where I think a guy like John Wall would be our 25 best players, but you know, somewhere in the 40 to 50 range, I think is, I think is very fair with his skill set and what he's produced for Boston so far. Yeah. To your point about the perfect fit when, when the Celtics traded for him, they were like, I don't know how many games under 500 they were well out of the the playoff race and I asked I was talking to someone in their front office and he, he said to me yeah we, we almost didn't do the deal because it's going to put us push us into the playoffs right and I was like the playoffs like I had the Jim Mora reaction like the right. playoffs <laughs> and but it, they knew like that's that's the perfect guy we need well like this right plug dynamite offensive player who can crack through defenses break down people uh, and that, and that, and and that to me, Jay is more like when I say his best role is as a sixth man. It's not that he can't play with the starters, and like you know, I, like I said, he could easily close games. Like it, it's nothing to do with that. It's it's more, it's more that to me, if he's on a team, like let's say he was on, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. If he was on a team where they had two or three elite offensive players in the starting lineup and he was one of them, then I think the gains you get from him being on offense are mitigated by his defensive issues. And I think in that kind of situation, to balance your team out, it would make a lot more sense to have him be on a really good team, your sixth man. And he comes in kind of like a, a better version of what Lou Williams was a couple of years ago in Toronto. That first year Toronto was really good when Lou Williams came up, like they kind of just let Lou Williams do his Lou Williams stuff when he come in and just draw fouls and like, you know, chuck up threes. And like that, that was kind of what their second unit was. Right. Like yeah. Isaiah would just be a, a way better version of that guy. And I think if you had a, a you know, if you had the, a, if you could afford to do that, I think your team is better off. But, I, you know, the Celtics have been a team where they have Avery Bradley and Jay Crowder and, and all these guys that are, 
you know, either aren't really good creators or they're defense first guys or they're catch and shoot guys. And so you need that guy to be the offensive fulcrum of your team. And so that's why he's been a perfect fit for them. That was a good word there, fulcrum. I'm impressed by that. That's that Washington vocabulary, man. You know, but like to me, it's like if if is if are you is Isaiah Thomas the point guard on a title contender? I think that's tough. Like I think that's a tough. Okay. I think that's a tough situation. Kyrie Irving was just the point guard on the the championship, and he's he's. He's just as bad defensively. Agreed. My yeah. argument, my argument there is that if if Isaiah Thomas is playing next to LeBron, then <laughs> yep. then sure, then he can be that. I, Kyrie Irving is the point guard of the, of the Cavs. He plays point guard, but he's a shooting guard, and LeBron is the point guard of the team. So I, I think that situation is unique, um, and that I, so it's hard for me to. It's hard for me to kind of uh, to to. It's a very fair counter, and I think for people that doubt um, that doubt Isaiah, I think Kyrie is a. You know, if they want to try to say Kyrie is light years ahead of Isaiah, I think that's not fair, really, to Isaiah because I think they are very similar players. I mean, Kyrie, I think, is a, a better. Kyrie's a better scorer and can score in bigger bunches, but Isaiah is a better point guard um, and is a way better distributor than Kyrie. But, but yeah, it's just, to me, it's just, if you have a, if it's, it's, to me, it's just hard. It's hard to, to me, if you want to have a great team, to me, you really have to be strong both ways at point guard and center. Like even, even in today's NBA, like unless you have LeBron on your team, like, yeah. which he, he's obviously the human cheat code, but basically any other team, like you've got to have, especially with every team in the NBA having a great point guard these days, like you've got to have good guys at those spots and then you can make everything else work around it. And I mean, look, maybe Isaiah Thomas is on the Celtics in three years and they're okay. going to the finals and, and I'm proven wrong. I, would, okay. I mean, the way things are going with all the Nets picks they're getting, it wouldn't surprise me if that's what happens. Okay, so you think the Celtics will have the number one defense with Isaiah Thomas as their starting point guard? I do. That he's not good enough defensively to play for a championship contender. Well, does that, I think does it change to you when the like the rounds get I, high? Is that I think? What the, well, I think I think it's it, I think it's a one thing is that when you get into the playoffs, things change, right? Yeah. The other thing is, look who he's playing with. I mean, if if you're starting Amir Johnson, Al Horford, Jay Crowder, and Avery Bradley, he's starting with four plus defenders. Four, and in most cases, very plus defenders. Right. So like, so like, yes, he could be on the number one defense in the league if he's playing with an awesome defensive team. Yeah. And he's the one guy that's a bad defender on the team, which I mean is almost the case. You know, Marcus Smart is great off the bench. You know, like I mean, you know, Kelly Olynyk isn't very good, and I, you know, I I can't credibly say whether Terry Rozier is going to become a good defender or not. I know he's pretty athletic, um, but you know, it's he's or he played one year is hard to tell. Um, you know, Jalen Brown could be a really good defender. Like, so yeah, if he's literally the only bad defender on the team, then sure it'll work. But part of the reason why he's been such a good fit with the Celtics is because nobody else can 
create shots and need the ball. So it is just the Isaiah Thomas show. And, you know, if they had a ball-dominant wing, then, you know, maybe things would be working a little differently. But, you know, they've obviously, they're obviously set up to where it, it plays right into his strengths. And like you were talking about before, him running pick and rolls with Al Horford should be great. And they've got guys that can catch and shoot and play defense around them. I mean, it's, it's, it's in a weird way, it's like what the Sixers did with Allen Iverson. It's not, it's obviously yeah. a different era and a different team, but like Allen Iverson could get to the NBA finals with that specific team. Like they built the team that he could carry to the finals. I, I was and, watching that team pretty recently on NBA TV and it, Damn, they had so many good defenders. It was unreal. Right. They had like, they had Dikembe, they had a, Aaron all guys Joe, Aaron right. Yeah. Rajah Bell. It was Tyrone like, Hill. Everybody was just not just a plus defender, but like next level can guard right. the best player had, defender. And and none of those guys, like the Celtics, cared about getting shots. Like yeah. even Al Horford doesn't care about getting shots. Like Isaiah Thomas is gonna have the most shots on the team by a lot. And nobody's going to care. So, you know, that that's why I just say it's just a very perfect fit. And, yeah. you know, I, I totally understand why, why Isaiah is a beloved player in Boston and why everybody, why he, he's become a fan favorite. He's a fun player to watch. He's a terrific, I mean, he's been great for the Celtics. The team has been awesome ever since he got there. I get all that. I just also think if Danny Ainge could upgrade that spot, he would upgrade it in a second. Yeah. Okay. I don't. I don't think that. I don't think that the Celtics view Isaiah Thomas as a, you know, a, a franchise changing point guard. I could be wrong about that. Um, and I, I don't think a lot of people around the league do. I think they view him as a very good player who's in the perfect situation, and to his complete credit, has taken total advantage of it. Okay. We got to let you go pretty soon. I don't. I don't want to keep you all night, man. Um, <laughs> before I let you go, though, one player to target for the Celtics that would be potentially available, whether it's free agency, a trade, whatever. Who are you going after? That that oh. could potentially be. I, you, are you saying like who's like as a Celtics trade target? Yeah, as a Celtics target. Oh, okay. Trade or um, free agency, whatever. Got it. Got it. Um, I mean, look, I mean, next summer, there's obviously been a lot of links to Gordon Hayward. I don't know yeah. if Gordon Hayward has any interest in going to Boston, but given the, given the Brad, Brad Stevens, Stevens man. played for know? Brad Stevens and he's white. So he's been linked to Boston. You know, I mean, uh, let's not kid ourselves. I think the, the, the skin color thing is, I think undoubtedly part of the reason that's become a big thing. Um, but I, you know, I, I've, I don't know if he's going to want to go there. I don't know if he's going to want to even leave Utah. I mean, they're, I'm sure they'll max him out. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's going to be $150 million or something. Yeah. So damn. I'm not, I'm not sure that Gordon Hayward's going to leave that kind of money on, on the table to go elsewhere. Um, you know, Al Horford would have, wouldn't have gone to Boston if Atlanta had maxed him out. So, you know, I think, I think guys that get maxed out are going to have a hard time saying no to that money. Um, I still think that Boogie Cousins uh, is the guy that if the Celtics make a big trade, I could see them going after. Um, you know, I think Cousins is going to be on the market if the Kings don't have a good year. 
So I could definitely see, I could definitely see him coming up. You know, there's been all this kind of uh, crazy talk about Lamarcus Aldridge the last couple of days. Yeah, you know, after this Jackie, the, yeah, I mean, you know, after this, you know Jackie Max, a Hall of Famer for a reason. So when she says stuff, people pay attention. Um, you know, I, I, if if the Spurs do struggle, I, I think you know they're going to look to move Lamarcus. I shouldn't say they're going to look to move Lamarcus. I could see, I could easily see them looking at moving Lamarcus. Yeah. And to me, like any guy like that that comes on the market, whether it's Lamarcus, whether it's um, whether it's Boogie Cousins, whether it's Jimmy Butler, I mean, any any guy that hits the market that's a that's a, a game changing kind of talent. I think that the Celtics are going to be at the front of the line to try to get. Yeah, although with Lamarcus Aldridge, he's not good enough to turn them into a contender, and he. Uh, see, I, I mean, I fundamentally disagree with that. I, I think that people, I think people have hilariously underrated Lamarcus Aldridge. I mean, he's an awesome player. I mean, if you, if you, if you replace Amir Johnson with Lamarcus Aldridge, I mean, the the Celtics are awesome. Like that, like that's a devastating combo. So, I mean, I, you know, I, I, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I mean, people I think have just very much underrated LaMarcus because, you know, he, he's been kind of moody and he, you know, he left, you know, he left, left Portland under, you know, he, you know, kind of having issues with Damian Lillard, but I mean, he's a really, really, really good player. And, you know, he, I mean, he was, he was just, you know, if not the best player, the second best player on a team that won 67 games last year. Like, I mean, he's really good. So, I mean, I understand. I respect Jackie McMullen immensely. I fundamentally disagree with her saying that I wouldn't trade for him if I was Boston. I mean, if, if the Boston Celtics could go, I mean, again, it, I mean, it always depends on what the price is. Yeah. But uh, Lamarck Zaldridge is a multi-time all-star for a reason. I, if I could go get him without giving up every single asset I have, especially given the Celtics have so many, I would, I would do it. I would go get him and, and, and pair him with, with Horford because then all of a sudden you are, you are, I think the second best team in the East. And then you are one LeBron injury for being in the finals, you know, like that, that's worth taking a stab at my opinion. That ain't bad. That ain't, that ain't a bad place to be. Uh, All right. We've taken up enough of your time. Thank you for coming on, my man. Everybody listening, go follow Tim at Tim Bontemps on Twitter. Go read his stuff at the Washington Post. Go listen to his podcast, Posting Up, which is fantastic. Uh, Is there anything you want to plug, Tim? Yeah, you just plug me, man. I'm good. All right. You you always ask me that on your podcast. I I know you just did it for me. What the hell to say? You just did it. You just did it for me. I had. I appreciate it. All right. Yeah. I I am sure I will talk to you soon. Since Undoubtedly. You're so good at keeping up friendships. <laughs> <laughs> so, th- th- thanks for coming on, man. Hey, anytime, Jay. Happy to do it. So that's the show. As always, you should use the hashtag Rain and Jays. R A I N I N J S. Tweet us questions. Tweet us reactions. Tweet us your mother's recipe for. 
vanilla cake. Whatever you want, tweet it to us. We will retweet some stuff. We will share some stuff on the podcast. We want to interact with all of you guys. We appreciate you listening. If you want to keep listening, subscribe to us. Search for Locked On Celtics wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's iTunes, Audio Boom, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever else. Go find us. Subscribe to us. Give us a five-star rating. Whatever you want. And come back again. This is a Monday through Friday thing. We are by far the best Celtics podcast out there. The only Celtics podcast that goes daily. And that's it for this episode of the Locked On Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.